Welcome to this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula. Our guest today has traveled the world for the past 25 years, carried along, so to speak, by a luge. Sven Romstad has just stepped down as Secretary General of the International Luge Federation, a post he's held from 1994. Norwegian by birth, Romstad competed on the national team and then switched allegiances in 1984. He became the head coach of the U.S. Luge team for the Sarajevo Olympics. He was elected a vice president of U.S. Luge, followed in 1994 with the start of his tenure with the International Federation. Outside of sports, Svein Romstad has been an executive with Turner Broadcasting. He's also worked with the former Olympic marketing agency Meridian and now a vice president for Atlanta-based real estate firm Loudermilk Companies. Welcome to ATR Radio, visiting us in the world headquarters on Atlanta's famed Peachtree Street. It's been our home for really as long as it's been for, for you, Svein. Welcome to the show here. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Um, 25 years at, at, at the Luge Federation. Did you imagine when you started that the run down the track would be so long? No, and I started at a relatively young age. I was 34 years old when I was elected, so uh, I didn't expect to go that long. And But we had a lot of work to do, and I feel very good about what we have accomplished over that time. How has it changed? What was the Federation like in 1994, and what's it like today in 2018? In 1994, we had just a fledgling staff. We had a temporary office. We had really no sponsors, no television agreements. And at the at that time, it was a little tenuous with the Olympic movement, our role there. So it was a shaky beginning, I think. And today, it's I'm proud to say that we have a permanent office, full-time staff, full sponsorship, full television agreements. We have a reserve fund, and I think our role in the Olympics is very secure. And how many how many full-time staff, paid staff, did you have when you started? Uh, one and a half. And what's it like today? Uh, we have in our office about six, and then we have some other staff, like a sports directors, technical directors, and development directors. So it's changed quite a bit. Has it gotten more complicated? Has it participation in the sport grown as well during this time? Participation has increased, but it's also gotten more complicated. As soon as you get sponsors involved, television involved, uh, I think the demands from the IOC is getting more and more. So it's clearly grown substantially. What about relations with the organizing committees, the, the Winter Olympic committees also, that have the, have the sport? Also more and more involved. And as you know from the last kind of rounds of ISC's reforms, they want national federations to take a greater role earlier on. And uh, so the, the responsibilities for the national federation is only going to grow. And I think it's a good thing to get the IFs more involved with the organizing committees because we're, after all, the ones that runs the competition. Now, it used to be when there was a Winter Olympic, a new Winter Olympic city, there would be a new sliding track built. Correct. And the IOC is backing away from, from that uh, in the interests of cutting costs, complexity of, of staging the games. Um, what do you think of this change? I think it's very good, and I think I think it's very important to emphasize it's only not for the sliding sports. It is for ski jumping and any several other sports where that potentially can happen. 
we are absolutely in favor of it um, because if it's reasonable to have it use an existing track, that's better for everybody. Having said that, I think one thing I'm very proud of is that we as an Olympic sports is probably one of the few, if not the only one, that use all our existing prior Olympic tracks today. So um, we've had some setbacks where Sarajevo, for example, was destroyed by war. Uh, Chesana was purchased by a real estate developer. And uh, so, but in generality, we use all our tracks. They're fully booked. Um, and I think that's a testament to our sport. Anything that can be done to make the tracks simpler? I mean, there's been talk about portable tracks, movable tracks, is such a thing. There are projects that's working on it right now. There's supposed to be a prototype built hopefully in the next couple of years in Austria. That could substantially reduce the cost. Um, there's nothing tangible right now. Now, Beijing will build a track, is building a track, and that will be the third in that region. You've got a brand new one in South Korea. You'll have the one in China, and then there's one in Nagano in, in Japan. Um, too many tracks? Uh, Not necessarily. If you look at the pop there and the potential. Uh, interesting enough, and um, if you look at Korea, who had a presence in Luge prior to the Olympics, um, they've gone far better. Uh, but I think, in particularly in Korea's instance, you saw in, Cor- uh, in bobsled competition in Skeleton, they won medals, won gold actually. So there's potential for them to do very well in the sport. The Chinese, when they get involved, something they normally do it full gas and they're right now building a very good team uh, so I think you have a chance of developing the sport quite a bit in those countries and where is this, the sliding track is used for bobsleigh skeleton and luge of those three events those three sports you know, which one has the most potential do you feel for, for growth is, is, is luge Luge is the less expensive one. Luge and skeleton is clearly less expensive than bobsled. So typically uh, you would see growth there. But I think also, you know, the bobsled is a very well-known sport and a very intriguing sport. So I think you're going to see growth across the board. What what does the Luge Federation do to encourage growth? What do you see as the path to increased participation in the sport? Clearly, through the Olympic Games, we get a lot of exposure and we see a spike in countries that want to start luge post-games. And we, inside our federation, we have a very good development program where we offer them coaching, equipment, training, everything you need. So if you if a country can identify athletes that has the potential for luge, we have a system where we can verify that they indeed have the capabilities and then take them up to quite a good level. It's, I guess... Physical proximity to a sliding track is is important, I would say, for, for youngsters, wouldn't it? Clearly helps, but, you know, we have athletes from Australia. We have athletes from several, you know, from Tonga that has participated quite successfully in the sport. So it more boils down to your dedication of being able to be willing to be away from home for quite a bit of periods to train. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your reaction to the experience in Salt Lake City and the Chang? Winter Olympic Games. Um, happy with how Luge was handled there, and 
what do you see for the potential for, for growth in Korea? Pyeongchang actually turned out very good for us, the competition. I have to confess that they were very difficult to work with. Um, Why was it difficult? You make a lot of promises, and once you win the game, suddenly there's no money, and suddenly there's governments, there's entities arguing. Uh, the, the Koreans had a tendency to try and do it their own way instead of listening to the advice and have to end up redoing a lot of things. And um, It was just a very challenging game, but in the end they put on a fantastic game, which they knew they would, um, but uh, it is a very complicated Thing to build a track, and there's certain, there's only a few people that have the expertise. And when you're trying to in in house certain things, that doesn't work out well. And what do you understand will be the the legacy of the track? How how will it be used? Be honest with you, we are struggling a little bit with the legacy, and I think that's primarily something we asked the Koreans for for over the years. And I think if you ask the IOC, it's same thing too. They have very few legacy plans left from Korea. Um, we're still literally waiting for what exactly they're going to do. They're still debating um, the ownership of the track, whether it's the region, the country, sports clubs, the federations there. So they're ironing out some situation there. On the contrary, on the flip side to the Chinese, they all represented a legacy program, and it's all in full force, and it's a very comprehensive one. So... Um, but I'm hopeful that the Koreans will work it out, in particular because they had such good results in the sliding sports. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in in 2010, Luge had to deal with really a really tragic circumstance. It happened on the day of opening ceremonies, uh, the the death of Nodar Kumar Tashfili, the loser from Georgia, in a training run. Um, it was an experience that I think was a very deep, deeply felt by the Luge Federation, by by the Olympic movement. Is that one of the, I think, most important moments, instances of your, your work it, as it, Secretary General? Without a doubt, it's the toughest day I've ever had uh, for Luge and uh, in generality. Uh, it was... We hadn't, you know, never anticipated something like that happen, and uh, you don't. We really didn't have any clear contingency plans. What do we do now, and how do we go about it? And uh, you know, there's so many things you have to focus on. Do you cancel the competition? Do you continue? Do you change the format? Uh, you know, you had a family to uh, to be concerned about. So there was so much going on that day, and of course, it was right on the day of the opening ceremonies, which made it even more chaotic. And what changes have resulted? Have you taken steps, has the sport taken steps to prevent something like that from happening again? We did go through an audit of all the tracks to see if there was anything that needed to be changed. Um, You know, you can always debate on the cause of uh, the accident. Um, I think that in the driver error was the reality was very um, much the cause of it, but at the same time the outcome shouldn't have been what it be, uh, what it was. It was a very much of a fluke outcome. So uh, there was no dramatic changes that we had to implement 
based on it, I think, with more of just a unforeseen circumstances. And if you look at our fatality rates in our sport, it, I think it was the only other death we had before then or the last fatality was 35 years prior to that. So it's not a very common occurrence for a sport as a quote-unquote a speed sport and maybe by some considered dangerous. Nodar has not been forgotten. Uh, his, his, he, uh, he's, he's created a legacy, if you will, in Georgia, hasn't he? Not at all. I, I've personally been over there to meet with his parents. The International Douche Federation has uh, had many trips over there, and we still have very good contact with the family. We have very good relationships with the family. As a matter of fact, we, our president was over there just literally a month ago for a book unveiling that they had written about Nodar. Um, so they are very much in our thoughts and there. Nodar's uncle is still the head of the Georgian program and one of the, I guess, legacies that we wanted to accomplish was that Georgia, with the death of Nodar, didn't disappear from Luge but kind of rebuilt and very proud to say that in, uh, we had Georgian participation in the 2018 games, which was our goal. And we worked hard with Georgia to accomplish that. You won't be going to luge meetings all the time anymore, but will you still stay connected to the sport and to the Olympics? No, absolutely. And um, I think that the privilege that they gave me being elected an honorary member allows me to go to the championships and go to our congresses, and I absolutely intend to stay involved. Your replacement, you have a new secretary general. Mm -hmm. Tell us about who, the, who that person is. Um, his name is Einars Fogelis. He's from Latvia. Um, he's actually been on the executive board for 24 years um, as the vice president of Technique. Uh, he's former general secretary of uh, the Latvian Olympic Committee, uh, president of the Latvian Luge Federation. Um, so he's very knowledgeable. And I think, you know, with President Fent is looking at the retirement in the future. And I think this is a step to get the heir apparent ready. And Joseph Fent, the president, is his seventh term as seventh president? Seventh term, yes. So that's it's quite a record, I think, as far as the winter sports goes right now. Uh, believe it or not, his predecessor was in the office for, I think, 34 years. So he has a little bit of ways to go. So there's stability as part of the routine there at yeah. Luge Federation, for sure. Um, as a business person, you know, with experience in Olympic marketing, other aspects of just running a, a business overall, do you have any thoughts about the Olympic movement in general? What kind of tips you might offer, ideas that the Olympics could follow to ensure they thrive and grow in the years ahead? Well, clearly the Olympics has, has done really well. I mean, if I'm an old person, so I can go back to L.A. and saw the shape they were in then in comparison to what they're in today. I think the challenge for the Olympic movement is that there's, I think, more and more different alternatives. And I think the challenge challenge thus becomes how do you engage the younger people I think if you look back at people you're my age we have much higher passion for the Olympic Games than I think a lot of young people have today because once again they're alternatives so that causes the um, I think the Olympic movement to have to look at sports or look at what can they do to keep it relevant keep it exciting and it's, it's clearly a challenge for them 
that I think from my you know, from a financial point of view, they've done well. I think, you know, so the reforms that's in, instituted, for example, to trying to use existing venues and so on, I think is a very good direction to go in. Uh, in integrity of the Olympics, what with the problems that have cropped up with uh, uh, bid cities, the problems that have cropped up with Russia and the doping saga that we're going through there, how about the image, the the, the view of the Olympics as a, it's a worthwhile institution. Well, they are now instituting good governance and more transparency, and that's clearly evident from coming down to a federation level where what we have to provide in documentations and so on is much higher level than has ever been before. Uh, and unfortunately, when you're dealing with human beings and the prestige and Olympic medal, you're going to have people that's always going to try and find a way to, is there a way of getting a shortcut? And I think that's the reality you have to deal with, and I think that you know, with um, you also have to be very careful with you know, for example, the Russian doping uh, scandal, and since that, to make sure you have clear evidence that these athletes are not, you know, just because you're from Russia doesn't necessarily mean you're doped up. So you have to be careful from that perspective too, to not punish the wrong athletes and things. So it's a very tricky. Um, w- path that you have maneuver. Mm-hmm. Does Luge have a doping problem? Ever had a doping problem? Um, I would be naive to say no, but I think in generality our history will show that we have very little doping issues. I think primarily because it doesn't really um, provide an advantage. Um, two other athletes from Russia were suspended because of the involvement in the scandal, but that's really the only doping cases that we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other times it's been, it has been clearly somebody just took a, the wrong medicine. It was no advantage whether, you know, being an athlete today is very, very different than being an athlete than it was 30 years ago. I mean, now and then you have, now you have to report everywhere you are. You can't, can't do this, you can't do that, and so on. So there's it's tough being an athlete today because there's so many rules. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you think the IOC will get find a way to settle the issue with Russia? I think they will, absolutely. I mean, Russia is a very, very important country, and I think that by standing the ground and by the new um, tests that are implemented and so on, I think they absolutely will. Uh, the IOC has launched an Olympic channel to bring more mm-hmm. sports 24-7 mm-hmm. all over the world. Um, what do you think of the Olympic Channel and how has it helped help Luge? It's definitely a benefit for us because of uh, we're able to provide them programming and uh, they're able to go into territories that we don't have any coverage. So it's an, at the moment an augmentation for us down the road as the Olympic Channel grows in popularity, it might even end up taking over certain events. But, you know, as of right now, they're just broadening the distribution for us. Yeah. We've had one, I guess, one season or so of mm-hmm. competition mm-hmm. under the Olympic Channel. Yeah. But is Very pleased. Getting, right. You're getting more attention, more coverage yep. Absolutely. to lose than you would have through the traditional Absolutely. TV. You've been to a lot of Olympics, summer and winter. Any favorites among the bunch? 
Sarajevo, first of all, because I was part of the U.S. Olympic team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lillehammer, because that was um, my home country. Yeah. Um, Atlanta was special for me, but that's my hometown. Um, they've all been good in their own way. I think that I think I think I'm up to 19 games now, so I'm I've seen quite a bit. So but those would stand out. Have they gotten gotten too big to to be enjoyable, or they're still enjoyable, but it's a, it's a totally different level than it was in the early days. And I think you know it's big and um, I um. I think I enjoyed the winter games. They were when they were when they were smaller and more intimate, you know. And uh, they were really special games. I mean, if you go to a Lake Placid and imagine that that city actually held Olympic games, it's today unimaginable. It's one little main street, and, and um, but the winter games, as an overall, is in very good shape. When was the last time you got to strap on a luge and go down the track? My last competitive season was 1981. The last time I was on a sled was in 1995. Been a while. Yeah. You can't really stop and go back, can you? You can't go from the top, neither. So you can go from lower distances. Um, Honestly, I just don't have time during the competitions to do it. Mm -hmm. And. you know, it was kind of interesting to go back on the sled officer. Was it 12, 13 years? I mean, it was like, this was faster than I thought. <laughs> I mean, it was like, yeah. that was not from the top. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I've never done, done anything like that. So yeah. I, it's quite a thrill, I imagine. Yeah. No, it's it's a, an amazing experience. I mean, why, why did you... What made you pick up a sled for the first time and, and give it a go? And what made you want to keep going? A friend of mine uh, was involved with this in Norway. And he said, well, try it out. And I tried it out. And I said, it was fun. So I just kept on going. But it's literally by accident. And did you have any fear to overcome? or? Yeah, no, no clearly, when you, go, you know, when you start off, you start off very low. But as you start going up higher and higher, I mean, yeah, anybody that's not been nervous is uh, would be lying. How does it compare in, I guess, difficulty or skill to skeleton? Um, I have not ridden skeletons. So I don't want to piss off all of the skeleton <laughs> riders, but I think luge is more complicated. Um, you know, I think skeleton is more visually frightening because you go ahead first. But I think they have more, and if you look at them, they look to have less control. But I think it's more difficult to, to stare luge than it is in comparison to Cobra and the skeleton. Luge is still the king of the winter sports as Absolutely. far as you're concerned. By far. <laughs> well, Sven Romstad, thanks very much for joining us today on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. And good luck riding that. Keep on riding that luge. Thank you. My pleasure. Good to be here. Thanks very much. Our guest today on ATR Radio, Svein Romstedt, just retired as Secretary General of the International Lose Federation. That's this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula. Thanks for joining us. For 25 years, your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com. <laughs>